is Jerry DiPiano from Fem Pharma, and you are listening or viewing the Love Mia Vita podcast. Today, my guest is Allison Blood, and Allison has been a guest on the Love Mia Vita podcast. But for those of you that may not have tuned in previously to hear her chat about nutrition and the best ways in which we can nourish our bodies at any age, but in particular, in the age group that uh, is super important to us at Fem Pharma, which is the 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond. Um, Allison is a registered nutrition therapist. She helps women manage some of the symptoms of menopause with great diet. She has worked in health and wellness for over 30 years, and she specializes, as I've said, in women's menopausal health. But one of the things that I learned, which was exciting and surprising is that Alison Blood is also a trained esthetician. And today we are going to have a conversation about how to make your skin sparkle. And we're gonna talk about techniques for makeup when we hit our forties and beyond, because we all understand that our skin is changing. And once we are in perimenopause and menopause, we may notice that our skin becomes drier, we notice the appearance of wrinkles, maybe the shape of our eyes is looking different, maybe we're wearing contacts or glasses like me. And so there are probably some techniques that we're not aware of, and this is an opportunity for us to learn a little bit more about that from Allison. So Allison, welcome once again to the Love Mia Vita podcast. We're so happy to have you. I'm so excited to have you. Oh, by the way, Allison Blood is on the Scientific Advisory Council for Fem Pharma Consumer Healthcare, and uh, this is her um, inaugural performance uh, as as member of the Scientific Advisory Council. So, welcome and thank you once again for agreeing to join us. Oh, thank you, Jerry. So it's a pleasure, and it's it's so wonderful to be here today talking to you about a, a very interesting subject. Uh, you know how to sparkle, how to look better, and and I think. You know, we, we obviously nutrition is is crucial, but it's also how we feel. You know, if we, if we feel that we we look good, we feel more confident. And and during perimenopause and menopause, we can really lose our confidence and suddenly start questioning. Oh, do I look okay? My my skin's changing. My hair's looks different. So it's 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 the whole thing, isn't it? Really, I think the way that we portray ourselves to the outside world is, is also very important for, for our confidence. So, so makeup is a, is a very interesting subject. We, you know, we, when we, we hit our forties and fifties and sixties, we do notice that some of the techniques that we were using previously, whether it was, you know, use of mascara or eyeliner or certain types of foundation, all of that begins to change. And I, I will speak from personal experience that um, I started changing the way in which I do my skincare routine. And I know there are women out there who probably have conditions like postmenopausal or menopausal acne. Maybe it started in perimenopause. Perhaps they have rosacea. They could have a little eczema, psoriasis. So we know that autoimmune diseases that change our skin will often mean that we have to employ a different skincare regimen. So I think this is a super important topic and you're right, we start to lose our self-confidence when we don't look the way we feel we should look. Um, and 
let's face it, there's no reason to feel less confident. It's just a matter of changing the way in which we adjust our routine so we look like our best selves and we present our best selves. So let's talk about it from a care pers perspective, a skin care. So in, in terms of a skin care regimen, um, cleansing is important, moisturizing is important. Um, perhaps we can start with addressing uh, how we change our skincare routine or what we should be doing to change our skincare routine um, as we think about our the aging process, the decline of collagen, um, certainly that follows. Uh, so collagen, hyaluronic acid declines, estrogen declines. So we, we need to be thinking about those hormonal changes um, that impact collagen, hyaluronic acid, which are also the substance of keeping our skin looking um, supple, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we, we lose, we, we have been seen in research that as women come into perimenopause and menopause, we, we do lose a considerable amount of collagen in the skin. And, and collagen is, is it's like the foundation. That's what keeps that, that lovely, fresh, kind of supple, uh, toned look on the skin. And as you rightly said, Joe, there's a lot of things that happen in the skin um, due to many factors, but, but one being the decline in, in estrogen. And, and this is seen as the skin can become very dry, become irritated. You can see suddenly see hyperpigmentation, so pigmentation marks on the skin, and, and acne, rosacea. So there's a lot of things that are going on. And, and I think for women, you know, you, you have to understand that you need to really kind of just reassess what you're applying to your skin because maybe what you applied when you were younger isn't what you need now so nearly really guessing i think the, the best idea really is when when you want to know what skin products is go to a professional uh, esthetician and say okay i want you to look at my skin and i want you to recommend the products that are correct for my skin because it is a minefield out there, isn't it? There's, there's so many different products. But when you when you look at a, a skincare routine that you really want to be doing for your skin, obviously finding the correct products that have the correct ingredients in for your skin type. But you need to, cleansing the skin is crucial. And the majority of the time as we get older, we, we really want to be moving over to more cream-based products that are kinder to the skin. So like cleansing creams rather than the the, the gels that um, which are fine you know if you've got more of an oily combination skin but if your skin is becoming drier you need more of a, a creamy product to, to clean the skin to remove the uh, makeup and, and debris on the skin from every day you should cleanse your skin in the morning and the evening with a cleansing product and then you should apply a toner now, a toner is something I know a lot of clients of mine have always said to me, I don't need a toner. What's the, what does that do? And the toner actually is a crucial part of the skincare routine because what it does, it rebalances the pH of the skin. Because if you've used a, a cleansing product and you put water on your skin, it really helps to just balance the skin back to how it should be, the, the skin's natural barrier. So when you use a toner, you basically just use that with cotton wool. It's, it's like a liquid. And then it comes to nourishing the skin. And this is really in menopause that you want to, you know, as you were saying, hyaluronic acid is a wonderful ingredient in skincare because it's just this moisture bomb. It really, really uh, retains moisture in the skin. 
So look for products that contain hyaluronic acid. Another great in ingredient, not for everyone, but it can be very beneficial for uh, menopausal women, is vitamin A. So the retinols, because they're very um, anti-aging and they can really help with dry skin, with pigmentation. So there's some great active ingredients, but we need to use a day cream, which obviously apply in the day, and crucial that that product has sun protection factor in, because we can suddenly start seeing in menopause pigmentation coming. And if you don't protect your skin from the sun and you know from the environment that, that you live in, this can make the pigmentation worse. And the majority of day creams now have SPF in. And you know what the research is saying that you really want 30 plus. So nothing below an SPF 30 is it's not enough to protect the skin anymore. Uh, so that's your day cream and then a night cream. And a night cream is nourishment. That's what we put on our skin at night to nourish and hydrate and, and feed the skin while we're asleep. And another key area that we forget about is an eye cream. And, and that, again, is an area as we, we go into menopause that we can suddenly start seeing, you know, the, these like crow's feet and fine lines around the eye area. So finding a, an eye cream that, that really hydrates that very delicate skin around the eye area, you know, as we get older, is, is very important to, for, for eye health as well. And then things, you know, that's your daily routine. So cleansing, toning, uh, applying a, a good quality day cream, a night cream and an eye cream. But then, you know, you can elaborate on this. It depends how much time you've got and how... I think a, a lot of people, if they're not used to using a lot of skincare, it becomes overwhelming if you suddenly buy like eight different products. So if, if you've not been using skincare, just start with the basics and then, then build up. But you can use serums and serums of, of pure active ingredients that go directly into the skin because of the way that they're formulated. Uh, and then obviously peeling the skin and different masks, you can have them as, as that you use weekly but that's really what you should how you should be caring for your skin on, on a daily basis so are there ingredients that one ought to avoid um you know we we often see scrubs right um so these are abrasive scrubs that will exfoliate the skin um, could be on your body but on your face speaking specifically of your face are there certain products that or certain ingredients that we should avoid when we are dealing with aging skin? Yeah, we need to be kinder to aging skin. So all, all the harsh ingredients, like alcohol is a good example because that really dehydrates the skin. And we, we don't want that. We don't really want that on our, our skin in general, no matter what age you are. But when you come into menopause, it's all the nice calming ingredients we want. So if we're talking about uh, peeling, exfoliating the, the face, you know, you don't want to buy um, exfoliating, exfoliating products that have got, if they have um, the mechanical effect of, you know, if you've got uh, grains or salt or, or sugar, that can actually scratch the skin. So looking for more peeling products, because you can actually peel the skin. You don't need that abrasive uh, roughness in a peeling product, you can peel the skin with enzymes. Uh, you can peel the skin with um, AHAs, hydroxy acids, uh, 
without that mechanical rubbing of the skin. And that can be very beneficial for people because they just help to break down the dead skin rather than removing it with that uh, abrasive motion of, of whether it's seeds or salt or sugar. So I think in menopause, I would go more for the, the peeling products that you apply that contain enzymes or AHAs that are slightly, they don't cause the redness on the skin, they're slightly kinder. So the scrubs are, so I think I heard you correctly. The scrubs are not a good idea for those of us that have menopausal skin or perimenopausal skin because they scratch the skin. Alpha hydroxy uh, acids could be natural peels or a, or a peel that can be used is gentler to the skin and is non-abrasive to the skin. And so those are the, so in terms of the cleansing and the, the way in which we are gentle, to our facial skin is really what you're advocating, which makes sense to me, right? Uh, oftentimes, if you see breakouts on the skin, the tendency is to look for products that maybe a 20 or you know maybe even a teenager would use. And we probably ought to also avoid those as well because in as much as they may, we may think it's addressing the acne, it may actually make it worse. and could be that you have rosacea. And if you have rosacea, you probably ought to see a dermatologist as you indicated earlier. You wanna see a professional because you need to, to address the rosacea differently than you would in acne, even though it may look like acne because sometimes rosacea will look like pimples on the skin, skin becomes red, might become inflamed. And the more you exert pressure on it, the worse the problem becomes. And then you need to know what your triggers are, right? So. That's that's important too. So we've we we've cleansed our skin, and now we are ready to think about what goes on the skin before we start to apply makeup. Yeah. So you you need to have a good base. So you you've prepared your skin, you've cleansed, and that now you put your day cream on and your eye cream. Uh, and then, you know, if, if we think of all, there's so many fantastic makeup products. There really are. You know, the, the world of makeup now is, is there's some amazing uh, products that can really be beneficial. Uh, I'm a bit great fan of, of what we call a primer. Uh, a primer is something that you can apply underneath your foundation. And, you know, there's so many different primers out there. But what a primer basically does depending on which sort you buy, but it really helps to enable your foundation that you put on after to sit better, to stay longer. Uh, and there's certain uh, primers that have light reflecting uh, ingredients in them. So they can really give you that, that, that glow, which, which we do sometimes need during uh, menopause because the skin can become quite dull, it can become quite sallow. So a primer is a great thing to have. It's like the, the base that keeps everything in, in place and really helps the skin to, to glow. So that's what I would start with. Um, there's an array of different primers there, but just start with a, a basic primer that has little light reflecting properties in. And this we, we would apply all over the face uh, on top of your day cream. Uh, and this, like I say, really helps to fix everything. Uh, and it's also hydrating to the skin. A lot of primers contain hyaluronic acid. Some of them have sun uh, protection factor in as well. But and a lot of them, are, are, it's like a clear product. They don't actually have a color. 
you can get ones with, with different colours in, but you can just buy them that the transparent. So it doesn't have an effect on the, on the colour of the foundation that you would apply afterwards. So never tried the primer, but I will now. Um, and then the, this, the question of foundation. Um, and I've always struggled with which foundation to choose. You know, how does how to match that up with skin color? When you're older, do you, you know sometimes your skin looks paler? Perhaps your 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 hair has turned white or lighter by either coloring or naturally, right? So you might have been a brunette and now you're a blonde, or you were a redhead and now your hair is white. So how how to match that foundation so that you don't look artificial? Um, I think that we want to look natural. We look at younger, you know, young women and they have that beautiful dewy skin and they don't really need a lot. And then when we get older, sometimes we tend to overdo it with the makeup, right? So it'd be good to overdo it starting with foundation. So what are your recommendations on how to choose a foundation? Yeah, I totally agree, Joe. Less is more as we get older. You don't want to apply a really heavy foundation that is more powder based because, you know, as we get older, the skin becomes drier. We maybe start seeing fine lines and, and wrinkles on the skin. And what happens if you have a heavy foundation that really just sets in the fine lines and it, it accentuates them? So less is more. Uh, but in saying that, you know, you can, there's some very nice cream based foundations that are more for a more a mature skin that can look fantastic. But in answer to your question about colour and, and foundation, that is something that a lot of women really struggle with because it, it can be quite tricky. Ideally, a foundation should look like you're not actually wearing a foundation because it should really match your skin tone. And, and when you're testing a foundation, don't test it on your neck because a lot of the time the, the colour of your skin on your neck is actually different to the colour of the, the skin on your face. So a good area to test it is like on the jawline, just above the jawline. And you, you should really see that that just melts into the skin. So you, you can't see, you know, a, a brown uh, piece of uh, foundation there. It's, it's just melts into the skin. If you have a skin tone that has more pinky tones to it, so this tends to be, you know, we have the, the pinky, more pinky tones. You can have more like olivey tones, more yellow tones to the skin. You know, you don't want to use a foundation. If you have more pinky tones, you don't necessarily want to use a foundation that has too much pink in it because it will just accentuate that. So you really want to be looking at something that's slightly more beigey or more, more ivory I mean it's very individual because the pink tone of skin obviously varies con considerably but go when you go to buy a foundation don't just try one try a few and really see how they look on your skin um you know with a mirror and a lot of the time you know if you go into a store and you're going to buy a foundation the lighting there is difficult because when you look at it under the artificial lighting to when you look at it when you're actually outside in daylight, it can look completely different. Ideally, if possible, I would always recommend clients to ask for a tester that they can take home and apply and really see what that looks like on their skin in, in daylight. Um, 
but really finding one that matches your skin tone. Uh, and consistency-wise, that, again, is quite individual, what we prefer. But when we're looking at more of a mature skin, we want to really think of more oil-based products uh, because we need more uh, oil on the skin because the skin can be dry. Uh, whereas when you're looking at more of a combination, an oily skin type, there's products that are more water-based. So that's what you really can think about as we get uh, more mature skin is looking for more oily. So more like liquid foundations, very creamy in texture and really avoiding the, the more powdery. There's, there's compacts that you can buy that are, are like, it's like a powder foundation. And they're not very flattering for a mature skin because, as I've said, they, they kind of just accentuate everything and the dryness and the wrinkles. So, <clears throat> so we want to look at a creamy foundation. Um, we want to try on a number of different foundations so that it looks natural. And it looks natural in daylight, not necessarily in artificial lighting that we see in a department store, maybe in an office or what have you. So I like the idea of trying several because we know that, at least I know, that when I am looking in the mirror and I put it up to <clears throat> sunlight, it looks completely different than what I thought in, in terms of my office. So it might be advisable to try it um, in front of the window, right? Put it on, see what you look like when you're in daylight so that you don't look like you're wearing a mask. And that's always been my fear is that I'm walking out looking like I have a you know, a brown mask on my face or a beige mask on my face. It doesn't quite coordinate or it's, it looks inconsistent with the rest of me. And obviously if you're darker skinned, there are challenges with, with darker skinned women as well in trying to come up with the right um, tones. So again, trying to find that um, foundation that looks really natural and uh, blends in in, the, in a, a very consistent way. What about under the eyes? And we, we hear a lot about concealers because, you know, as we get older, sometimes we have, you know, dark circles. Um, we have puffiness under the eyes. Um, you mentioned an eye cream, but what are your thoughts about concealer? Should we be applying concealer as a regular um, part of our skincare application or makeup application? Yeah, if you suffer from dark circles around the eye area, I think it's with concealers, you have to be careful because the last thing you want to do with the concealer is accentuate that, which can happen if you if you use the incorrect concealer or you apply too much. So again, it's looking at cream-based concealers and you really don't need a lot. You really, when you look at a concealer, if we're talking about dark circles under the eye area, you really want you would you want a concealer that is slightly lighter than your foundation, not not a lot, just just a fraction lighter than the foundation, and you apply that in a very small amounts under the the eye area. You can apply it over as well if if you want to get to get more of a, a balanced look, and you just really tap that in with your finger very gently. You can use a brush. But it tends to be easier to use to use your fingers or or a sponge you can actually use. But it's important that it's cream based because if it's more of a again the same really information as the foundation, it's more powdery. It can really sit there under the eye area. And it can just make that area look worse. 
there are what we call corrective uh, concealers, which you can buy that, for example, that you've seen probably seen the, the green in colour. Uh, you can get ones that are lilac, you can get white concealers, and that they're more what we call camouflage concealers. But they can be quite beneficial, again, creamy textured ones for um, concealing very dark circles, for concealing redness on the skin. And the thought behind it is that, you know, you're applying, people think, why, why on earth do I want to apply something green on my face? But you apply these underneath your foundation and you only apply a small amount and it really counteracts the, the redness. So it's like the opposite color on the spectrum of colors. So green actually neutralizes red. That's that's the thinking behind it. So for, for dark circles under the eye area, there are um, white camouflage concealers that you can use, which really help to make the darkness look much lighter. So you would apply these camouflage concealers first, then your foundation, then a normal concealer. Um, so there, there's lots of tricks that you can use with concealers, but if you just want, if you only have a little bit of darkness or puffiness, then just a little bit of concealer. If you find that it makes it look worse, then don't use a concealer, just use your foundation. I, I've I've tried concealer and sometimes it look I look like I'm, I have raccoon eyes not and not that they're they're dark that I have black circles around my eyes but it looks like I have a white ring around the eye um, so I, I guess being careful about selecting the right concealer and even applying it at the right time so before the foundation goes on foundation comes after concealer we want to think about whether we have dark circles, red circles, maybe we have some bluing around there, broken blood vessels under the eyes. If you're like me and you wear glasses all the time, obviously you may not need a concealer because the glasses hide a multitude of sins. At least, you know, that's what I, I try to convince myself that that's the case, but um, great advice. And then let's talk about the eyes because we, you know, the eyes, you know, the cliche is the eyes are the mirror to the soul, but, you know, we want to make our eyes look wide and bright and beautiful. And maybe when we were younger, we were applying a lot of eyeliner, eyeshadows, lots of mascara. The thing today is, you know, fill, filling out those eyebrows because your eyebrows start to thin, maybe they become paler. And what, you know, tell us your thoughts on, you know, when we, when we reach that age, how should we be thinking about applying makeup to the eyes? Yeah, the eyes are, are something that you have to be careful with as we get older. Like you were saying, Jerry, you know, the, the really bright eye shadows. And I remember wearing like blue mascara and things like that. We can't, we can't really get away with that so much when we, when we get will become into menopause but one key thing for, for eyes is eyebrows they they are so important because they really frame the face uh, so really you know whether you can obviously have your eyebrows tinted pro professionally um, or you can use a, a pencil or you can use a, a shader like a powder on the on the eyebrows and now there's also gels that that come in um it looks a bit like a mascara brush. 
that you can brush onto the the eyebrows but eyebrows are key and and I know a lot of um, ladies that I talked to when it was very fashionable wasn't it years ago to have really thin eyebrows so they've if you if you've really over plucked your eyebrows unfortunately they don't grow back so there's lots of things that you can do I mean that there's um, microblading on the eyebrows you can have like you tattoo in the eyebrow which looks fantastic so there's there's a lot of treatments that can be done in in a professional salon situation to make the eyebrows look great or you can use you know a pencil or, or a shadow a, a eyebrow powder tends to be a softer look than, than an actual pencil but you really want to use a color that, that matches in you know with your hair color but also accentuates the eyebrows a bit. It doesn't have to be exactly the same color as your hair color. It can be darker uh, because we can take more color on the on the eyebrows. And there's also some amazing serums on the market now that that help with the growth of the eyebrows. So you can you can buy these serums. It's the same for eyelashes that really help to stimulate hair growth on on those areas. So if anyone's sometimes you maybe got an area on the eyebrow that's hasn't got as many hairs the, these series and I, I've seen this in clients they they are actually very effective in, in um, stimulating hair growth so eyebrows is key big big thing don't forget your eyebrows and then when we look at eyeshadow and I think eyeshadow is it's an area a lot of women feel uncomfortable with because it's quite complex isn't it where do I put it what do I do with it there's so many different colors Start with, when, when we get older, we can't, we don't really want dark colours. We want to have more uh, softer tones, like the, the uh, soft browns, like the, the pastel colours, the rosy tones, uh, because they're much more flattering. Hard, harder colours, like stronger colours, are, are quite hard and, and they can make us look older. And they can also, you know, as we age, we maybe start to see that the eyelids start to, to sag a bit. And if we're using a lot of darker colours, that can really make our eyes look smaller. So start with two colours for, for eyeshadow. You know, have a, have a lighter eyeshadow, like a, quite light, like a, maybe a beigey colour. And this is what you would apply over the eyelid. So this is like the, the lighter colour. And this really helps to open up the eyes. And then what you can do with a darker colour, so for example, if say we take a, a nice warm brown colour, that would actually go into the eye socket. And what this does, it really helps to make open the eyes up to make the eyes look bigger. You don't have to have three, four different colours. It's, it's enough with just two. So that's eyeshadows and also cream-based products are more flattering on a more mature skin. So cream-based rouge, uh, cream-based uh, eyeshadows. There's also um, fantastic eyeshadow primers. You know, we were talking about primer earlier. An eyeshadow primer is something that you would put on before your eyeshadow and it just keeps it there in place. It's, it's like the base. So it doesn't, you know, crease or, or you know, wear off throughout the day. So if you, if you really want to go for it, you, you can use an eyeshadow primer as well. Um, and then mascara. I mean, I think if there was one product, makeup product that I could have that 
I could not live without it would be, be mascara because it really opens up the eyes, doesn't it? And again, when we're in menopause, if, if we're suffering from hot uh, flushes, uh, waterproof mascara is, is a good idea because it can be terrible, can't it? If you're, if you're sat at work and all of a sudden you have this, this hot flush, it can really affect your mascara and you can find it just slides off your face. So waterproof mascara, um, eyeliner, great, but just be careful that you don't apply the, those harsh lines because it can make the eyes look smaller. Uh, so we really want to use more softer tones, maybe not like just black, and, and apply it in a way like a, a Kyle pencil, which is a soft pencil, uh, and really try to you could take um, a cotton bud and just work it into the skin uh, and really we're applying it over the eyelashes as, as close to the eyelash as possible but on the upper lid if we start putting too much uh, dark eyeliner on, on the lower uh, lids it can make the eyes look smaller and then obviously it depends what you're doing you know if you're going to a party or you're going out for the evening then you, you can apply more makeup in the evening but if it's more of a, a, a natural day look that you want, then you know you don't have to wear eyeliner. But it can be it can be very nice in the evenings just to to accentuate the eyes. But just be careful not to do any really harsh lines on on, on the eye area. We we often think that we can use the same techniques. Um, and perhaps you were drawing the cat eyes when you were younger, right? Yeah. <laughs> liquid eyeliner looks beautiful on 20-somethings, 30-somethings. Then we look at ourselves when we're in our, you know, 40s, 50s and beyond and the cat somehow the cat eye doesn't quite work. And in fact, the cat eye can actually, um, the, the it looks like it's drooping down sometimes because the shape of our eyes starts to change. As you mentioned, sometimes our eyelids are a little droopy. Um, we have a little bit of excess skin from uh, underneath the brow. So being careful with that. I love the tip about the eye shadow. I've always struggled with that. And, and I, I know that um, cream eyeshadows are far better than the powdered eyeshadows, but the, the color is really important to take into consideration. So a lighter color with a dark accentuating color inside the crease. So it just gives that a little bit more dimension there. That that seems to make sense. And then you said this at the beginning, less is more. And I wanna, wanna have you share your wisdom on our cheeks, right? So if you're like me, I have, I have very rosy cheeks, which is another way of saying I have rosacea. And so my cheeks are always very rosy. So I don't use any blush on my cheeks. What do you recommend for women who don't have that problem? Yeah, blusher is 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 wonderful because that that's what gives us that glow and you know it makes you makes you look healthy and, and rosy. But you, you do have to be careful because you don't want too much. Otherwise it can look ridiculous if you if you got really big, you know, pink, pink cheeks. When it comes to blusher, again, for mature skin, we, we want to be looking at more of the cream-based blushers because they sit better on the skin and, and they're very flattering. When you apply a blusher, it needs to go on the cheekbone. And one thing that we really want to avoid, especially when we get older, is not having blusher, not applying it too far down. 
because what can happen is if we apply it too far down, it can really draw the face. It can make the your, your face look gaunt. It can really make you know that you've maybe lost a bit of tone in tone in the skin, and this applying the blusher too far down can really accentuate that. So if you think of your cheek bone, this is where the blusher should be applied, uh, not close to the nose, actually on the cheek bone. So not too high up, not too low down, just here. That That is really where the blusher should be applied. Uh, and then it looks very flattering. When it comes to color, you know, finding a, a tone that matches in with your skin tone, um, if you do have more pinky toes on, on the skin, then you don't really want to be using a pink blusher on the cheeks, go for more of like a, a warm, like golden, browny tone. Bron bronzing powders are great to use as blushes. You know, if you want to give yourself a little bit of colour, there's all these wonderful bronzing powders, but they actually work really well as blushes as, to give you just that little glow. But blusher is great. It, it really gives you that healthy look. So if you have pale skin, you don't have any issues with your skin, no acne, no rosacea, no psoriasis or eczema, that may be your go-to thing. And remember to keep it um, at a, a level where it's right on the cheekbone. So you don't want to overdo that either. And then what are your thoughts on lipstick? I wear lipstick, don't wear lipstick. Again, it's, you know, sometimes our, our lips start to um, lose a little bit of that plumpness. And uh, there are lots of lip plumping products out there. Do you recommend them? Don't recommend them? What 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 are your thoughts? Colors? Mm -hmm. No, I'm I love lipstick. I think lipstick, it really, especially if you if you're going out in the evening, uh, it really just finishes the makeup off. Uh, and we do lose uh, the fullness in our lips as we get older. And what you can do with, with lipstick, with lip liner, uh, you don't necessarily have to use these plumping uh, products, but you can if you take a lip liner that is the same, virtually the same color as the lipstick you're going to apply and apply that around the lip line um, first and then fill in with a lipstick, it makes your lips look fantastic. You can really get that fullness back just from using those two products. There are lip primers as well, which you apply underneath your lipstick, which really helps the lipstick to stay uh, on the lips for, for much longer but one thing that that can happen as well is that we have what we call bleeding lips and I'm, I'm sure uh, you know you see that in in women that are older that wear you know red lipstick the, the real like really strong red lipstick there, there's nothing wrong with red lipstick it can look fantastic but we just have to be careful as we get older because when we start to develop fine lines on the upper lip what happens is with with lipstick that has a lot of pigmentation in it it can it can run into the lines and it can look it's, it's that's why it's called bleeding lips and it as you can imagine it doesn't look very attractive so really looking for colors um slightly lighter tones um one thing that we really want to avoid when we get uh older is is the frosty look uh, it's, it's something also for eyeshadows that i didn't say is you know try to look for more um matte colors that aren't got lots of glitter in um but that's much more flattering it's the same for lipsticks we don't want too much there's nothing wrong with a little bit of sparkle but 
not too much because that just accentuates everything. It, it highlights, uh, you know, anything. If we put glitter on it, it makes it more visible. Uh, so all, all the lovely like pastel tones, the warm tones, um, you know, peachy tones, pinks, all of those lipsticks are great. But just if you're going to wear a strong colour, just be very careful of, of that bleeding lips. And what you can to avoid that is, is using a lip primer, use um, a lip pencil, and then you can actually use uh, setting sprays. When you've done your makeup and you're happy with it, you can actually spray, it's called a fixing spray or a setting spray all over your face and your lips. And that just kind of keeps everything in place. So these are great tips. And as, as I sit here with, um, for those of you that, that aren't uh, viewing this, but are listening, I have red lips on today. So now I'm gonna go and check my mirror to see if my lips are bleeding lips. I actually use a very a highly moisturizing uh, lipstick and I do use a primer. So, and I love my red lip, um, but I would definitely keep in mind using something that's slightly lighter than my uh, go-to color, my, my bright red color. These were these have been fantastic tips, Allison. And so if you have to give our listeners and viewers three or four key tips, what would they be with as it pertains to using makeup on your maturing skin as we go into perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause? What are those tips? Okay, I would say first is uh, avoid uh, or think about applying, pa reducing powder. Uh, when a lot of the times when we apply a foundation, we can also apply a powder over the foundation, which, which helps to um, set the foundation and keep it in place. But the, the loose powders can be very aging on the skin. So I would say avoid using powder if you can, because it doesn't make the skin look nice. It clecks in, in fine lines and wrinkles and just makes the skin look very dry. So avoid using powder. Um, if you're suffering from uh, hot flashes and you really, I know when I talk to a lot of my clients, some of them, are, they don't wear makeup because they're worried about what they're going to look like if they, they, you know, at the office they have a hot flash. There are some very uh, good foundations that they're, they're called uh, in Europe, they're called like workout foundations. Um, and that they can be, they're specifically made for people that are perspiring. So you can wear them in the gym, for example, and they stay on the face. You know, they're made for that. So if anyone is really suffering from that and is, is worried about wearing makeup, invest in a work they're called workout foundations because they really um stay on the, on the, on the skin uh, the third tip i would say is to use a product with a sun protection factor in uh, not only uh your day cream which we spoke about but majority of foundations that are on the market have sun protection factor in and this is so key for skin health and you know we want to preserve our skin as, as long as we can, and we want to keep looking great. So using an SPF is really helping the skin and preventing more pigmentation, more damage happening to the skin. Um, hydrate, I would say to look 
for products, when you're looking for makeup products, foundations, primers, you know, all of the things that you put on your skin that are cream-based, look for hydration, uh, look for oil-based products that are creamy in texture and, and just glide onto the face. And it, it's worth investing in a good foundation. It really is worth, you know, if there's so much makeup products on the market, but if you're just going to really invest in one product, uh, invest in good foundation because that is really the key to everything else that you put on top of it. And as a nutritionist, as a trained nutritionist, obviously one of the best things that we can do is to feed our bodies so we can, so our skin looks healthy and supple. And I know that in previous podcasts, you talk about the benefit of hydration, water, just plain water, you know, making certain that we have plenty of water, that we stay away from dehydrating products. Um, what are your thoughts about foods that can help? I know the, the topic is really makeup, but we want to make sure that we nourish our bodies. So are there some, some things that we ought to be thinking about when we nourish our bodies, uh, supplements, things of that nature? Yeah, it's uh, as you say, Jerry. Nutrition is is key. It's a huge, huge part of of our well being and, and health in general. But when we come into perimenopause and menopause, we need to look after ourselves a little bit better. And really looking at a whole foods diet, choosing to nourish your body with whole foods, you know, like vegetables, fruits. Uh, more of a Mediterranean style diet that always comes top in all research that it is a very good style of eating for hormonal health for, for skin health and it, it's really removing all these ultra processed foods from our diet you know sugary uh, processed foods have been shown to uh, increase the frequency of menopausal symptoms you know they they can increase weight gain they can cause inflammation in the body they can make skin problems worse you know so really thinking about what you eat and eating nourishing foods we need to get all the wonderful uh, vitamins and minerals we need calcium for bone health when we as we get older we need vitamin d for bone health and if you're eating a mediterranean style diet with lots of fruit vegetables nuts and seeds, fish, all the wonderful healthy fats like the omega-3s, the olive oils, you know, you will be getting all those nutrients you need. But if your diet is predominantly based on these packaged ultra-processed foods, you won't be eating nutritious foods and it will show in your health and, and how you feel during perimenopause and menopause. And it will show up in your skin and it will show up in your face. And as much as we love to try to conceal some of these ills, starts with just basics, the basics of a healthy diet, nourishing your body, hydrating your body, which means hydrating all of your body, including your skin, the largest organ in your body. Alison Blood, it has been a pleasure to again, work with you on the Love Me Avita podcast. These are some great tips for all of us. Um, I didn't take notes, but I'm going to listen to this again, and I will take notes. And for those of you that want more information or would like a consultation with Allison, she does do nutritional counseling. And how may they reach you? 
The best way, Jerry, is, is through my website, which is alisonblard.com. All, all information is there. If you want to book a free uh, consultation call with me to see how I work, that whatever, all the information is there. And all my uh, links to all my social media is, is on my website. So, And there's also free downloads if anyone wants recipe ideas, etc. It, it's all there. So feel free to go there and have a look for anyone. And it's Alison. A-L-I-S-O-N-B-L-A-D-H, alisonblood.com. But we will have um, this recorded. Uh, it will also be in a blog post. So you'll be able to read this as a blog and you'll have information about Allison in that. Check out our website too, the Femfire website where uh, Allison um, has written some wonderful articles for us. And you can learn more about her by visiting her website, get some tips from her, and also seek her counsel. Once again, thank you, Allison. It's always a pleasure. And we look forward to having you join us again for more podcasts that help women to think about how to nourish themselves as they move through this important phase of life. And thank you, Jerry. It's a pleasure talking to you. And for those of you that are tuning in, remember to love Mia Vita.